Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right. Well, this week on More to, Fun- More to Come, uh, we're going to have fun, but the show's actually called More to Come. <laughs> Uh, we are, we have the great pleasure of talking with Tim Fielder, uh, um, uh, comics artist, animator, designer, uh, but for, uh, for our purposes, among other things, I mean, artist, author of Maddie's Rocket, book one. Uh, thank you. Tim, thank you for being on More to Come. Thank you. Thank you, Calvin, uh, uh, for inviting me. I greatly appreciate it. It's a real big honor, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it, uh, well, I, I, we, I, we were talking before, and I'm telling people that, you know, I, I've known about your work, and I've known about Maddie's Rocket, but I just hadn't read it. <laughs> That's but, perfectly fine, because, you know, it's, it's uh, I think I was explaining to you earlier, it, Matt, doing Maddie's Rocket has been a learning process. Yeah, yeah. The concept, as it exists, has existed for over 20 years. Oh, okay. And I've listened to your TED Talk, too. Okay. Oh, 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 we we have a lot to explore here, but I I just want to tell people. I mean, Maddie's Rocket is a very interesting uh, piece of. uh, I'm going to steal your term. I'm I'm going to turn it over to you. But retro Afrofuturism. I mean, as I term it, you know, looking at the the future uh, as it was imagined in the past, but with black people in it. (laughs) That's right. So we want to hear you talk about that more, but I also want you to give our our listeners um, uh, a, a little bit of background about you as an artist. Can you just bring us up to bring us up to date? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Tim Fielder. I am a twin brother. So if you ever see uh-huh. me on the street and I ignore you, it's not me. It's him. <laughs> uh, I uh, come from Clarksdale, Mississippi, uh-huh. Crossroads, and uh, born in Tupelo, home of Elvis, and raised in Clarksdale, home of the Crossroads. And cool. I um, grew up doing comics mm-hmm. uh, because I was the youngest of four siblings. All of us are artists. And ultimately, as growing up, I went to college and I came to New York City to study cartooning at School mm-hmm. of Visual Arts. They have this wonderful cartooning program there, but was only there for six months uh-huh. because I was already working in the industry when I was in college. Ah. So I started as an editorial, freelance editorial cartoonist, The Village Voice, oh. Screw Magazine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody worked at Screw. I think. I yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Sure. Well, I saw a lot of cartoonists work there. That's for oh, sure. Man, <laughs> all those guys work for Screw Magazine. Sure. sure. Uh, yeah, that's how. That's was God. We're talking the eighties. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, I'm dating myself. But uh, <laughs> yes, I am old people. Well, well but, I think we got similar dates. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> so I um I did that, and you know everyone has to make a decision. You know how they're going to spend their life and. You know, me, I grew up reading Marvel or DC. I wanted to work for one of the big two. So I was fortunate to work for Marvel Music for about a year or two, or three years of freelance until finally I got a major freelance gig for Marvel Music on the Mort Todd. Mm. What's Marvel Music? I don't remember this. Marvel Music is a division of Marvel Comics that was set up during the 90s to adapt stories based on musicians, musical artists. Wow. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so, not hip. <laughs> so my friend Floyd Hughes did uh, Snoop Dogg. Oh, really? Uh, I think Gene Colan worked on um, Bob Marlin. Wow. And a bunch of them. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, I worked on, check it out, mm-hmm. Dr. Dre. Oh, so this is what I've heard. This is the book that was never published. It's never published. Oh. Yeah. Graphic novel, fully painted in gouache. Never again will I paint in gouache. But fully painted, never published of the world's first billionaire rapper. Yes. Wow. Science what? fiction. Is this just in limbo or some kind? Why is it that it's never managed because, to be? Huh? Because. Because. Marvel declared bankruptcy mm-hmm. in the 90s. And a lot of the divisions were scuttled. Ah. So that's why that book never came out. At least that's the that's the I've heard other reasons, but I don't want to get myself in trouble, so I'm gonna leave those alone. Okay, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh that's what happened. And uh-huh. uh, uh uh I stayed in the comic book industry, but you know, there were a lot of you remember what it was like in the in the mid to late nineties. Yes, yeah. People yeah. didn't know if the industry was going yeah. to there survive. was a big crash. Um yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I did my independent stuff here there because I've always had an independent streak. But by the late 90s, I made the transition into animation. Mm-hmm. And I worked uh, very briefly with a uh, video game company for about a year, year and a half. And then I went into teaching and instruction. I raised my kids. I kept working on animation and working in the animation industry and teaching animation. But by the late, early 2000s, 2008, I went back to school mm-hmm. and I created I resurrected Maddie's Rocket. Uh-huh. The title of Maddie's Rocket, before it was called Maddie's Rocket, was called If God Was a Woman. <laughs> okay. And everyone I told that to was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I renamed it Maddie's Rocket, and here we are. Yeah, so so you've been working on Maddie's Rocket, you say, for 20 years? Yeah. In the, one form or another? Well, the first person... That mm-hmm. I pitched Maddie's Rocket to was the late Lou Stathis. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Worked for Vertigo, and unfortunately, he had he died early. I guess he mm-hmm. had an unfortunate yeah. passing, and he liked it. He liked what I did, and I was producing work to try to mm-hmm. to take that pitch farther. But you know, unfortunately, he passed away, and um, I gave a half-hearted attempt to do King features, but you know the the comics industry and that you know comic. Yeah. You know, the comic book industry is one thing. The newspaper industry was all That's a whole oh other. <laughs> yeah. And so um, the person who brought me back yeah. into comics, because uh, I had I'd done uh, Maddie's Rock, but I was trying to do it as an animation, which I got a lot done, but I was huh. dying while doing it because animation is very hard. Yeah. Uh, so do, uh, do you have some, some footage? Uh, yes, I do. Oh. Yes, I do. Yes, is there some place where we can see it? Uh, there is not now. Uh-huh. That's the stuff I have to talk to you. I say I have to talk to you off the camera. Oh, uh, okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll talk. <laughs> I can't well, talk to we'll... you about that, man. We got to talk about it off camera. Okay. Off well, we'll, we'll just tease the listeners there. So that... <laughs> but, yeah. but, okay. So this project, it started as an animated project. It started then... as a comic. It started as a comic. morphed into an animation. Morphed... Okay. And, and then, then morphed back. What happened was about four years ago, 2014, John Jennings. I know the boy, man. Yeah, my homeboy from Mississippi. We yeah, both that's from right. Mississippi, mm-hmm. 
and and uh, 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 Stacy Robinson, our uh-huh. our uh, uh, I call him my reality checker, okay, <laughs> <laughs> because he keeps it real. But they came over. They had done a Black Kirby presentation from the yeah. Schumburg, and the Schumburg is only five blocks from where I live. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came over to my house, and I showed them my work. And I never forget. Stacy said to me, he said, first thing." This work needs to be published. He's talking about all of the work. They saw mm-hmm. Gray. They saw yeah. you know, Death Comes Before Us, all those projects. Yeah. And uh, within two weeks, I had a publishing deal with a small company, mm-hmm. which didn't last, but it was important enough for me to get it off the ground. Yeah. I retooled Maddie's Rocket into being a comic published through my own company, Diesel Funk Studios. Great. Well, just I just want to hold on the point there because I just want to make sure our listeners know um, because you're talking about two terrific artists, uh, John Jennings and Stacy Robinson, uh, mm-hmm. also known as Black Kirby. Black they Kirby. do this like incredible eyeball frying uh, work that's obviously based on Jack Kirby, but but goes its own way. Is own has its own Afro futuristic tilt to it. Uh, and they're also uh, they also have a great book out right now as well. Uh, I am Alfonso Jones, uh, yeah. which they did in conjunction with the poet Tony Medina, a great graphic novel, YA graphic novel. It, it is very very good. I have it right there on my shelf. There you go. Just want to make so our, our listeners know who we're talking about. So that was obviously a yes. Go ahead, please. Have you seen Black Comics Returns, man? I've seen it. I've seen a little bit of it. Now I'm a I'm a Kickstarter funder. I haven't seen my copy. <laughs> Calvin, I was in San Antonio over the weekend at the uh, Planet Deep South Symposium. Oh, in San yeah. I saw some stuff on, online about that. I saw yeah. that book. Yeah. I am going to make a prediction. Yes. First of all, Ashley Woods did the cover. Yeah. She's killer. She is, she is indeed. Another terrific artist. Absolutely. Uh, from Chicago. This book has this kind of... It is the most beautiful book. Okay. This book, <laughs> I am predicting it will win, win an Eisner. Okay, it's, that's how beautiful it is. Well, I, I've seen, I've seen, uh, like I said, I've seen other people's copies. I haven't seen my right. copy. Yet. I'm waiting on my copy too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't disagree with that at all. I agree with you 100. Um, percent And um, uh, I, well, it's 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 more the groundbreaking work by John Jennings, okay. who just ne- who apparently doesn't sleep. Damien, uh, Damien Duffy. Yeah. Is- and, yes, and his partner, his longtime uh, uh, collaborator, Damon Duffy, as well. So uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Right. <laughs> uh, so obviously, okay. So your encounter uh, with John and Stacy obviously put you on the mind to get back to, toward publishing. Calvin, it, it altered the trajectory of my life. Great. It, oh. uh-huh. it, 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 you know, you you ever had one of those incidents where you something happens? And you could see a, a a a clear marker of the difference yes. pre and post. Yes, this absolutely. This was one of those. That I, there's no way I would have done a TED talk if yeah. I hadn't switched. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, all within six. This is all within twelve months of that happening. All right. Well, so uh, uh, Maddie's Rocket is self-published. So you had a publishing deal that, for whatever reason, that that didn't go through. Mm-hmm. However, what we have here is a beautifully published, uh, not to mention beautifully uh, realized book. So um, tell us about Diesel Funk. Okay, so Diesel Funk Studios, 
uh, was formed uh, in, uh, well, I guess I formed it uh, in late 2014, but it, we premiered Maddie's Rocket in, at Black Comic Book Day, Schumburg Black Comic mm-hmm. Book Day, uh, Martin Luther King weekend, 2015. And that book, you know, I grew up on, on Marvel and DC like everybody else. Sure. So did uh, I. Right. <laughs> but then, you know, weird things begin to happen in the 70s when Metal Harlot released. Yeah, sure. Heavy metal. There are other kinds of comics in the world. Or other kinds <laughs> of comics. That band designate looking yeah. at uh, uh, John Giro, otherwise known as Mobius. Yes, sure. Uh, Inky Bilal. Yes, uh, yeah. The Nicopol trilogy, sure. That's right. All the airtight garage. Yep, yep, stuff, yep. Sure. That stuff fried <laughs> my psyche. Mine too. Exactly. <laughs> However, in addition to that work, I was a Star Wars fanatic. I was uh-huh. a science fiction fanatic. So I grew up admiring the work of Ron Cobb, who designed the DeLorean for mm-hmm. Back to the Future. Joe Johnson, who directed Captain America First Avenger, but was one of the primary concept designers for Star Wars. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Alf McQuarrie, these guys, you know, Sid Mead, who does Blade Runner, mm-hmm. that, that these guys, they, they created film reality. Yeah. And so I took those two things as well as the work of Frank Hampson, who did Dan Dare, and mm-hmm. those things fused together, and that's all Mad- Maddie's Rocket is a homage to that work, visually. Well, uh, yeah, go on, go on, please do. No, 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 I'm just saying that it's that, but also uh, it's for my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's something you were talking about with retro Afrofuturism, which I'll go into when, when you want me to, but I wanted my, my, my dad is 80, almost 84, well, I is 84, I think. I haven't got to check. My mom is 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll stay that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all due seriousness, they never saw that stuff. Yeah. They never had images of themselves in the 30s and 40s. And I am so grateful that I got, they, they, they have seen it, they love it, they have it. And uh, that's an important thing for me. Well, tell us a little bit about Afrofuturism. I mean, this is a concept that, that, I when I was uh, uh, I mean I I'm not sure when it started but I remember people talking about this and I went to Howard University and oh really? what, a long time ago uh, <laughs> um, I used to teach at Howard a few years ago this a what hmm? I used to teach at Howard a few years ago oh did you know yeah yeah I went yep. I, I I went to uh, I graduated from the fine arts school in 1977 oh so, wow there you go. But okay. back in the day, um, I, I heard talk of this. It was a different. It was a. It was the beginning of a concept of thinking about black people in the future. And right. I and I heard you describe it. I think in your TED talk, you say people who look like me in the future. So tell us about your relationship with with um, Afrofuturism. Okay, uh, back in the day, uh, uh, well, Afrofuturism as a term was created by the scholar Mark Derrick. Uh-huh. Uh, and he you know, wrote this article where it basically introduced it to the public. Mm-hmm. But the concept of Afrofuturism has been around since God. Yeah. The turn of the century when uh, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, I think he's the one who wrote the comic as a short story, science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been science fiction movies with black people sure. in it, speculative movies. Mm-hmm. And what we called it was black sci-fi. Yeah. Black science fiction. Yeah. That's what we called it. You know, yeah, it's science fiction, but it's just black science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> but this term Afrofuturism, which is very catchy, 
essentially describes an operational mode in which any form can both harness the power of the past, the present, and the future, mm-hmm. utilizing technology, mm-hmm. forward thinking, progressive thought, sure. uh, the, the challenging of gender roles, yes, mm-hmm. as well as the challenging of political roles by and about people of African descent. And sure. this gets from the continent as well as di- the diaspora. Now, that sounds like a lot <laughs> that I just said. <laughs> but for me, what it means personally, and I've said it before, I basically draw black people in spaceships. Yes, that's, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> you what need I do. To, I, so you need to break it down for people. You understand what I'm saying? That's it. what I do. I <laughs> want to not P, I want to see people who look like Calvin Reed. Here you who go. are in charge of vast fleets of ships. I love it. I love it. And we deal with the pressure that he is under because <laughs> the supply lines have been cut off from the planet that he left. So he has to ration his supplies out to the crew and keep them alive right. while maintaining morale. Uh, you know, it sounds like a black William Shatner. I love it. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Only sex here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only sex here. So that's what it is. Uh, Rashida Phillips, who is a, uh, a, a lawyer, Mm-hmm. takes the concept of Afrofuturism, and it's a shame I've never met her, but I hope to meet her eventually. Mm-hmm. She takes that concept and she applies it to housing law. Uh-huh. You understand? So Afrofuturism yeah. is something that has expanded. Uh, Black Panther obviously being the most yeah. recent you know, in-your-face example. I mean, forget the story of the movie. Forget the studio. Just dealing with the costuming sure. alone. Sure. Ruth Carter... Just like they need to change her name to Ruth, give her the Oscar already. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to be one of those things when they call her name, nobody's going to applaud. They're going to be like, you know, we knew this a year ago. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, yeah, whatever. Just get, like, just get that to us, send it to the side. We already know what she Yes, did. absolutely. Yeah. It's a fabulous so, film. <laughs> it's a fabulous film. And that's the thing about uh, Afrofuturism that I am loving so much about it. Because, you know, I, I went in a period where, uh, you know, you try to do Afrofuturism and you'd hear crickets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but I, I but let me take a minute just to make Please. one thing very clear. Please. There have been practitioners of Afrofuturism for many, many years. But sometimes when you see the media in uh, the coverage... They don't make the distinction from written narrative Afrofuturism mm-hmm. and visual naf- uh, Afrofuturism. Okay. And when you're talking about visual Afrofuturism, I'm going to give these guys their credit because they deserve it. Uh, Mashindo mm-hmm. Kumbaya mm-hmm. He is one of the greatest visual practitioners of Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. With work he's done with Charles Saunders' books, Sky's. Mm-hmm. Incredible artist, as good as Frazetta. Cool. Okay. Better even. Okay. Gray you know, Williamson. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes, it's, he's 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 hot under the collar. But that dude Valmar, that uh-huh. book is incredible. Roosevelt Pitt. Okay. Uh, Daoud and Yabwile. You know these guys have. Oh been yes, yeah, sure. This is brother man. Yeah. Right, Daoud. I love that guy. Sure. He's, and we're all contemporaries now. 
I did not go that route with doing it independent. I foolishly mm-hmm. tried to do that through mainstream publications. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'm going to try to do the story of the big head scientist, Yakub, but I'm going to make it a science fiction and I'm going to try to publish it through Vibe magazine. Nah, that wasn't going to work. Yeah, happen. <laughs> and they didn't go for that, you know? So, uh, but for me, it's like, I would look at, you know, uh, very quickly, I would say, it, it, we cannot talk about myself or any of those other artists I mentioned without the work of Pedro Bell and Overton Lloyd, mm-hmm. who did the comics for Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, okay, great. Those right. guys... You know, I'm sure there was, you know, there were people who did visual Afrofuturism, like the Bitches Brew cover. Yes. Mm-hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire always had these wonderful yeah. um, uh, paintings of pyramids. And the, yeah. You know, that's visual Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. But the person, the people who did it, they had the sci-fi, they had the fun, and it was comics, but it was still expansive. Yeah. Joe Bell and Overton Lord. They uh-huh. were the, they were the, the, the the dudes, they were the ones who brought us into being, in my opinion. And uh, 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 that's, 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 I just wanted to say that part. I, sure, I, sure. I, 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 without uh, doubt, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Do you, we, we need to pay tribute wherever we can uh, yes. to those people that were important to our growth that you know that kind of opened the field up uh, right. to, to, to you and others. Right. Uh, so I, I suspect some people are going to be talking about you in that this way in a few years too. Uh, w- w- well, you know, it's been interesting. Uh, I can't <laughs> use profanity on this show. Just so, saying. Huh? <laughs> Just saying. Go on. <laughs> I, the term I've been using is "we're in the black ass upside down." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, dude, it's like uh, I have never been interviewed <laughs> by so many. People who are interested in what I'm doing, and Calvin, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like it. I like it because you know, being an artist yeah. is you want to be acknowledged. You, you want, want people to, to look at the stuff. <laughs> you, know, like, you don't want to be in a corner. Absolutely. And oh, I'm doing my work, and you know, hey, I'm you know, I have a lot of integrity. It's like no, no baby, no. call it show business. Yes, business no. of show. I hear you. That is what I've been blessed to do. Uh, the last four years, uh, six years really, of my life have completely altered. And um, wow, I love it. All right, well, let's get to the point here. Talk to us about Maddie's Rocket. Okay. Tell us a little bit about who is Maddie Dolores Waddy? Maddie Dolores Waddy is an amalgam of all of these different people that I know and know of. In its core, it is a, she is a blending, Maddie Dolores Waddy, mm-hmm. is a blending of the life of Harriet Tubman and Bessie Coleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bessie Coleman being the first internationally licensed black female pilot. Which I didn't know, by the way. Yes, from I, Texas. I heard that on your TED Talk, so yeah. That's right. From Texas, and of course Harriet Tubman is the Freedom yeah, Young sure. mm-hmm. Railroad, right? And I wanted to do take the the core thesis of how these women live their lives, but place it within a Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon type of environment. Mm -hmm. And I named Maddie after two people. Uh, Her first and last name uh, is my great-grandmother, whose name was Maddie White. 
I see. Mm -hmm. The full-blooded Choctaw Indian from Meehan, uh -huh. Mississippi. Interesting. And my very good friend who uh, and godmother and god sister who I love, uh, Myrna Dolores Bain. So I mm -hmm. took the names and I fused them together. Mm -hmm. And Maddie's Rocket is, as I said before, retro Afrofuturism. Yeah. It is a story where uh, th that takes place in three different time periods. When Maddie is older, when she's an adventurer, and when she's a young girl. Mm -hmm. And I show how she becomes a pilot, how she becomes a space pilot, dealing with family, uh, parenting, uh, 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 adventure, mystery. Mm -hmm. I can't go into it because I give up way too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me. I just want to make sure our listeners understand that the, you, this is taking place. We 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 first meet Maddie in the 1920s. That's right, as a young girl. That's right. right. So people have to remember, as you're saying, this is this is space travel as imagined for uh, Buck Rogers. That's right. And the the world of design that that calls to mind. That that's right. I wanted to do this story uh, in an alternative 1930s 1940s past. Mm -hmm. Where Jim Crow still exists. Still exists. Yes. So this is a key element and a and a key part of the texture of your narrative. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, well, I don't know if I should should say uh, that because it's it's pretty bad that Jim Crow was awful. But I didn't want to Myrna, who I named uh, the Dolores part of Maddie's name when she before she passed away. She always told me. She said, "Tim, you can do any story you want. It can be as outlandish as possible." But you must give the reader something familiar to hang on to mm -hmm. so that it rings true. And I knew if I was going to do a science fiction based in the 1930s and 1940s, Jim Crow still had to exist. Yeah. Because this would be – it wouldn't be real. People wouldn't – they wouldn't accept it. Exactly. So I don't want to give too much away too because so much of your story is so subtle and it's fantastic but it's incredibly grounded. Thank you. Uh, and, and so many of your, your influences, I mean, I think you could, might even say that, uh, what, the War of the Worlds is an influence in some magic. To some well, that's something we'll have to talk about off camera as oh, well. Okay, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you bring in other things like, um, you know, Martha's Vineyard and, and the relationship of black people to that. I mean, You're that's a very key. Journalist who actually mentioned the Martha's Vineyard connection. Oh, it's incredibly important and, and incredibly people, charming for you to bring that in. Thank you. Black people have been at yes. Martha's Vineyard for how long? Since it started? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why she's got money, she's successful, she lives on Martha's Vineyard. Sure. There's, there's a wonderful and a long term black community out there. Absolutely. That's right. um, um, but uh, so let me see. Um, uh, I I want to ask you questions, but I don't I don't want to ask you spoilers. <laughs> well, tell you what, ask me the questions, and I'll leave the spoilers out. Okay. Um, I mean, so many of the classic conflicts of mm -hmm. Jim Crow South exist, mm -hmm. uh, right. including the Klan. Yes. Um, I, it, that's also part of the texture of your story, but right. I don't want to go too deeply into it because. Well, I, I will say this: the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, particularly growing up in Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, my and, and I'll speak to it. This right here will perhaps shed some light because on the surface it's kind of typical. You know, you always have the black narratives from the turn of the century. There's always clan. You know, the mm -hmm. clan. 
you know, you have it in uh, Mudbound, the movie that just came out yes, that was yes. really, really brilliant. Uh, and my parents moved to Russellville, Alabama back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And my dad, you remember remember the Titans with Denzel Washington? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Where they basically brought these black co- coaches to integrate yeah. the school systems? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad was one of those guys. Oh, really? Yes, but he did it in Alabama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, was he an actual football coach or, or just a uh, teacher? Oh, in my dad did everything. Football, basketball, the whole thing. Wow, oh, impressive. In fact, oh. he played uh, for the Negro Leagues for the Memphis Red Sox. Really? Very yeah. famous and team. All- I'm sorry? Yeah, very famous team. Yeah, and of course, I have all that integrated in Maddie's Rocket. We'll talk off camera about that as well. Oh, man. Well, yeah. I was go- I'm going to ask you if you could give us a little hint about Volume 2. We- well, I will. I will. Okay. And I'm going to, before <laughs> this is over, I am going to release something that I have. that is in the book, the book one, but I'm just going to tell people that part because I want them to know what's coming. Okay. All right. So... Um, Go on. Yeah, so uh, my dad did that, and their house was burned down by the Klan. Wow, okay. So So many photos of us as young, young children were gone because they were in the house. Now, I was one years old, but that's what I'm saying. I felt like it was important not to shy away from having that in the book. Well, um, it's it's an element that gives... uh, another level of poignancy and power to the narrative. I mean, that's what I, I just want to emphasize that this is a fun book to read, but you've created a sense where uh, both in terms of how you structured the narrative and just inherently of a, of almost a documentary, but Thank this you. is really, this is science fiction folks. <laughs> so Thank- it's a credit to what you've done that, you know, and your drawing as well. Thank you. Thank that you. They're, 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 it's an incredibly grounded story, no matter how how wild and fantastic you know the adventure is that you lay out in front of us. Well, let, let me say this, Calvin. What is the most important thing? Well, well, let me say this. One of the most important things about Black Panther. Hmm. Let's be frank. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the thing about it. Yes. It's great. Yes. That's the most important thing. Imagine if it would have been bad. Yeah, that would have been a problem. <laughs> that would have been the fact is, Ryan Cogler did a good movie. Yeah. And it wasn't mediocre. It was good. It's really good movie. It's really good movie. Thank you, God. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was good. It was great. It was fun. I've seen it three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it twice. Red Burnham, a Tuskegee ass, so a ten times. It's like ridiculous, man. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Don't you have a you know somewhere else you need to be doing? But anyway, <laughs> that's how you make seven hundred million dollars. Yep. Like but the thing is, is that the level of pride mm-hmm. that I feel towards that guy. Because he just did it, and he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he really did. And I was talking with one of my friends about, because I used to be in the animation industry, and we were talking about how important Toy Story was mm-hmm. sure. to the 3D animation industry. It was a brilliant film. Yeah. First. And the 3D was cutting edge, but imagine if the story wasn't that much. Yeah, that big it was, yeah. It, it's, it's, that's why I believe we are in the black ass upside down because <laughs> we, we we proved it. 
That's yeah. it. You, anyone who doesn't understand that the content we make, there's an audience for it, is simply being regressive. But they're being openly regressive now because you can't argue with $700 million. Well, that's true. Well, the whole notion that somehow or other um, black, uh, black content in a, in a quality production, the, the, somehow the notion that that wouldn't sell when black cultural product is massively popular all around the world. I mean, it's too bizarre to really think about for very long. But uh, apparently, we needed to prove it one more time. Well, this time they kind of, I think Cogler went overboard with it. Yeah, yes, it's so good. <laughs> Nobody can even. People are going crazy. It's so good. You so. know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of my colleagues in uh, San Antonio, we were talking about. Man, I I wonder what the meeting in the executive suite sounded like after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, well, you know. Well, I don't think this is a number. Seven hundred million dollars. Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know. But so I, I brought that up to state that when you saw Maddie's Rocket, mm. it was important to me that people see it and know that I gave 1,000% to it. Yeah, that it they saw that this guy didn't just make a rocket ship just to be making it. He had thought into how the, the hatch opens, how she gets inside of it, how the retros work. Like the example, there's this lunch ramp. Yes. And there, well, good. We can talk about it. Since you're talking about it, I can bring it all up. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Even your 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 imagination of of rocket travel. I yes. mean, you've you've got these wonderful touches. The the ramp. Um, I mean, the the design of the ship itself. Thank you. Um, later on, we see a kind of like you know airliner, a luxury Thank you know cruiser that's like a triple deckers. It's awesome. Congratulations, uh, Calvin Reed. You're the first journalist to go into detail about this. Thank well, you. <laughs> <laughs> well, partly I don't want to spoil it. No, no, no. But, but, but that's there. The details. That spoil the story. Yeah. That doesn't spoil the story. What I'm saying is I want you, I want people who read this book, I want brothers and sisters who read this book, I want the little kids that I've been going by numerous signings and you know, trying to, to entertain them and introduce these things, the teachers, the librarians. I want people to feel like this thing exists. Yeah, yeah. And that I, yeah, I know it's not real. But yeah. I want them to, I want them to feel like it's believable. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh well, it means complete. It makes complete sense. That's what I was talking about. Where I'm saying the texture of your of your narrative. I mean, there's a great story, but I mean, you can almost feel it. I mean, you 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 bring the the, the cotton fields of Mississippi alive. You Thank bring you. this uh, this uh, past tense version of the future. Uh, mm -hmm. You bring it alive, and by adding the social realities of the twenties and the thirties and the forties and going on, uh, even your sense of the nineteen sixties was is, is 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 with the journalist who comes <laughs> in to talk. You read the book clearly. You yeah. read the book. <laughs> I mean, you've given us, you, you create, that's what I'm saying, you created this wonderful work of fiction that at certain points really does feel like a documentary. So you. you've done your job. Thank you. Now I'm doing mine is making sure people know about it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so look, we're running out of time here. I do want to ask you a couple more questions. Okay. Uh, you got some fabulous blurbs. 
How'd you get that? Juno Diaz, the, the, the extraordinary novelist. Valerie Boyd, the nonfiction writer, a biographer of, of Zora Neale Thurston. Uh, Joyce Brabner, Harvey Picard's yeah. uh, widow. Um, how'd you get these blurbs? Well, Joyce uh, gave me my starting comics. Oh, really? Joyce Brabner was a person who gave me my starting comics. And more recently, she's the person who brought me into back into the quasi-political cartooning re, uh, realm with uh, Comics Cast, a group that was protesting uh, uh, Donald Trump. And I was oh, yes, part of cor- Yeah, well, that's right. Joyce, for sure. That's Joyce. That's yes. Joyce. <laughs> Great. And she's still in Cleveland kicking butt. Yes. Um, uh, then uh, Valerie Boyd, I have known ooh, for over 30 years. Oh, okay. Between 30 and 40 years and a family friend. And uh, I asked her, you know, if she would do it, and she graciously agreed to it. Juno Diaz, however, was a different situation. Because Juno Diaz doesn't give out many blurbs. Yeah. And I could talk to John. I'm like, hey, John, man, can, you know, you know, you know, I had lectured at MIT once. Uh-huh. And I know that's where he teaches. So I said, look, I, I would like to kind of, he said, okay, but he doesn't give out blurbs. And he did. It hey. took three weeks. I had totally forgotten about it because I had no intention uh-huh. of thinking this guy's not going to write. And he wrote it. And my wife came through the door and she saw me crying in my studio and she thought somebody had died. She said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, Juno Diaz, like my book. And if I may say it out loud, the quote, Maddie's rocket is just superb. So, Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what Juno, that's Juno Diaz, not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know. <laughs> I think it's superb too, but but, yeah. but yeah, the Judo Diaz, that's better. <laughs> that, it, 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 it's very humbling, Calvin. That's, very, that's, very humbling. that's all. all right, so I'm, I got to wind this down, but I want to ask okay. a couple more things. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about Black Metropolis. And let me get this 30 years of Afrofuturism, comics, music, animation, decapitated chickens, heroes, villains, and Negroes. I yes, Black Metropolis is, <laughs> uh, was uh, in 2016 uh, the, the ground level of showing of all of my work over a 30-year career. New York Gallatin Galleries under Keith Miller uh, put it together, and I was blessed to have that show. And knock on wood, I can't say anything right now, but there are things afoot. Uh-huh. And, okay. And uh, we will be seeing Black Metropolis again. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, and I also want to ask about the, the some of the mock posters at the end of Maddie's Rocket, Captain yes. Battle. Who's that? All right. So I can't go into deep, deep detail on it because they're connected. But I wanted to do uh, – I work with Alex Simmons on Black Jack. Uh-huh, sure. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why we connected because we both have a love for pulp adventure, that type mm-hmm. of thing. And, you know, I've been doing Maddie now for 20 years. So and then I did Blackjack and I said, mm-hmm. I want to create a, an African-American male character mm-hmm. that harnesses the adventure of Doc Savage, uh, the shadow, mm-hmm. Rocket Man. And I wanted to do it. But when I did it in the book, I wanted to paint it covers to look like Jim Storenko, uh-huh. James Bama. Uh-huh. That's, I, and I want us to be in it. Yeah. I want I want us to be in it. I want you know, I've painted a number of Blackjack covers. But I wanted to do my own character. And, uh, you know, I, I will be selfish. That's for you and me. That's for the brothers. Yeah, okay. It, well, it's cool. Because <laughs> the all of these movies that, that are or, – or mock movies that right. – uh, um, I'm trying to look at 
pull some of the titles up here. I mean, and they they're all starring Paul Robeson. That's Paul <laughs> Robeson was hired to play. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Oscar Michelle was the director. Yeah, you know, yes, absolutely. Started points. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Okay, awesome. Um, and let's see. Now, were you going to tell us a little bit about what's to come, or can yes. you give us a hint? Yes, I will. About, yes, because Volume One is out, and but we're waiting now. I haven't told anyone else this, but I'm saving it for you. Awesome. You know that the last illustration with Maddie. Yes. I remember what it is with the hole in the rifle. Yes. And of course, everybody knows that, you know, by the end, you know, the earth is being invaded yes. by aliens. And of course, there's a worldwide fight to fight, fight against it. And that's pretty much on the last page. Everything else you don't need to know about. Just buy the book and get that part. Yeah. But she becomes part of what I call the, the homie Amazon. Uh-huh. The, the homie Amazons are true. Uh-huh. Of female warriors. Ah. Generally wiped out in the late uh, 19th century. Oh, okay. I said, you know what? I can do whatever I want in my <laughs> book. <laughs> That's why you started it. Once everything <laughs> changed, all of a sudden it was all hands on deck. So Maddie becomes a, uh, a, 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 what do they call him? A, a front guide, a sniper, a scout. Ah, okay. There's still segregation. There's there's still segregation. There's still misogyny. Mm-hmm. And she becomes part of an all-female war troop fighting in the battle for Earth. I love this. I love it. Um, You're the first person I ever I, told Well, it. I love it. We got a scoop, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Maddie's Rocket, book two. All yes. right. Well, I don't know how long we have to wait for it. but <laughs> well, I am working on it already. Uh, and I anticipate it will be out during the Christmas season. If not, then definitely by Black Comic Book Day 2019, January. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here first. We, we, we're Maddie, Maddie's Rocket Book 2. Yes. We should have it. It'd be yes. under your Christmas tree. It's coming. <laughs> um, uh, look, this is, this is terrific, Tim. It's really awesome uh, to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, um, congratulations on this book. I mean, how has it been being a publisher? I mean, I didn't get to that either. I mean – well, that, that's you're self-publishing this book. So I, mean, I am self-publishing this book. Uh, I am manufacturing it in-house. At present, the binding is done in Long Island. Uh, and I'm still discovering this process of how both to harness technology to embrace the traditional publishing industry, but also to make, you know, there's just something new that's obviously happening. Do you, and, have, uh, do you have bookstore distribution? I am working on big bookstore distribution. I am actually considering now a balance between going with print on demand, which I had when Maddie's Rocket was a floppy. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and juxtaposing that with in-house printing. But I have to figure that part out because this is a – the industry is changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what's happening. But I will say this thing, though. Uh, Maddie's Rocket was designed as a book. Mm-hmm. I did not want you to tell the difference. I didn't want you to be able to tell the difference between Maddie as a physical product mm-hmm. and a book in Barnes and Nobles. I, I didn't want it. I didn't want you to be able to tell the difference. Yeah, because that's what it is. It's a book. Thank you. It's a book. I love this guy. It's a book. <laughs> Thank you. Comics or books. Let's get it that is, straight. <laughs> if there's anybody book. left out there that hasn't gotten this together, Thank comics you. are books. They're books. Yeah. They're books. And, and uh, that's what it's been. All right. 
Uh, Tim Fielder, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Congratulations. Who knows? We'll, we'll talk to you again when book two comes out. And I want to say this. Thank yeah. you so much, Calvin. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you.